Hey everyone, and welcome to the Class of 2020 podcast. I'm Asara, and I'm here to tell you about an awesome and pretty cool podcast that you're going to need to hear. We know that times are tough. The coronavirus pandemic has affected all sectors of the jobs market. It's ruined all prospects of easy career development, changed our student learning experience as we know it, and it has many of us at home sending applications for jobs which aren't going anywhere. We've gathered people from Gen Z ages 16 to 25 and set them up for awesome one-to-one discussions with experts, business leaders, sports superstars, entrepreneurs, and industry minds from across the world to ask them the questions that you and every young person cares about today. How to start your career, ways of success, how to overcome adversity, and so much more everything you need to support you on your own growth your own journey and your own development all for you all for free at the class of 2020 podcast brought to you by the branding man hello everyone welcome back to another episode of the class of 2020 podcast i'm your host asaro and today we have our final guest for season one. This is a very, very exciting guest because um, this guest has a career and has a journey which I know many young people out there would like to replicate. She has been or is currently an assistant director for EY. She works in HR and recruitment. She has over 12 years of experience in business development. And when we get to meet her, you will see that her passion for speaking, her ability to connect with people with her voice is something she's very, very skilled at. So this is the perfect sector and the perfect person to give us insights into this industry. She was also a teacher for Teach First. So we will get into her experiences in teaching. She attended Brum or... Birmingham, sorry. <laughs> I know that they call it Brum. But we like Brum, it's fine. <laughs> Brum University. Let's introduce her. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Charlotte Edwards on the Class of 2020 podcast. Thank Hi. you so much and a very warm welcome. Hopefully warm welcome because I know it is cold as we're in the deepest, darkest, coldest days. Um, but hopefully our voices can soothe you and warm you up on hopefully not a cold day for you. <laughs> I know, it's a very, very... Um, ambiguous and interesting winter period because we don't know what's happening we're in a very (laughs) awkward sort of limbo kind of situation and we did have you know internet difficulties before this recording as everyone is having or should I say (laughs) I had the internet difficulty but that's one of the limitations to having to communicate virtually from different countries and different time zones and different locations but firstly and primarily I love to ask all my guests how are you How are things? How has your COVID year been so far? Wow. Thank you. Where where do I even start and how long do I have for this podcast? So look, firstly, thank you so much um, for that lovely introduction. Um, And I do have to um, thank you and everybody at the class of 2020 for putting this together. Um, I think it's something amazing that we can offer to people. And hopefully what I'm going to say, um, I will always be vulnerable. Um, I will speak honestly, truthfully. I feel like I'm in a court now. I'm not, um, not swearing an oath, but I will share my experience because I feel like if my experience can help somebody else out that will certainly um you know if it can shed any light or make any difference um you know I'm always willing um to so 2020 um (laughs) by the time the recording comes out the whole 12 months that have passed um and what a 12 months um it has been um like you say I'm based out of the Middle East um I've been living in the Middle East for five years and it was always my passion to live abroad um I studied geography um living in London and it were being so multicultural I always wanted to live abroad um and that was great until 2020 um and actually so my grandma unfortunately passed away in February 2020 and she was a very key figure stone for me um she was like a second mom to me um and I really looked up to her um so the start of 2020 was quite a um quite a challenging journey for me um but living in the Middle East I was fortunate enough this was when COVID was just taking off um sort of in China I was fortunate enough to get a red-eye flight back from Bahrain um come to the UK come to the funeral spend that quality time with my family and then get the plane back. Um, and it, for those of you that remember February, we had storm, Kiara storm, Kiara, depending on how you say it. And 
the plane wouldn't land. The plane couldn't land in Amsterdam. And I just had this huge sense of him like, what, what does this mean? Well, what message is this trying to send to me? You know, what am I meant to expect from it? Um, so the plane landed in Netherlands. I did cry. I had to be com confronted by some other people, in the but people were nervous on this flight. I then flew back to Bahrain from Amsterdam. Um, and actually two weeks later, I got very sick. Now, what we, we don't know what kind of sickness it was, um, but I was very, um, had all the COVID symptoms. So this is before we knew about COVID. So I did obviously self-isolate. Um, and then in March, that's when COVID started to take place. Um, for me, I'm an extrovert. I love people and I think I also realize I need people. And I know we've got quite a lot of stuff we can talk about, but for me, I, I love being around people. Um, and I think I would definitely attribute that from my doing Teach First. You know, you are in front of 30 young people who teach you so much. You know, I would often think that I was a teacher, but the reality is they were teaching me more than I was teaching them teaching them yes I was teaching them geography but they were teaching me life skills um, they were teaching me so many values and so much importance and really getting me to think about my perspective and my mind shift um, and I think you know I only did teach first thinking that I was, I was going to be a teacher for two years and then I was going to go and work in the city and something changed um, within that that I, I did a third year um, but my going back to kind of how I struggled with COVID this is only in March and I think I prior to March I think I'd only spent two days working from home I would do anything to avoid working from home I I genuinely need to be around people I get energy from people I'm your classic off the scale extrovert that the energy comes from people and when COVID happened in Bahrain um everyone's like right you've got to work from home now I'm so fortunate I work for a company where I feel trust is always given to us um you know working from home from absolutely fine you know um we have all the right technologies we have the, all the right platforms um I put in meetings with like my colleagues I did a lot of video to try and keep that face-to-face -face reaction but the loneliness I can't describe um, you know I live by myself um, and I chose to live by myself but I would always have the busiest schedule you know I would go to the gym at, I would be at the 6 a.m. spin class before work and then I would go straight on to work and then I would go and I'd constantly be meeting people then every evening I had something planned I literally was the busiest person ever and I I loved my life and COVID kind of just came in and halted the brakes. And the only time I, the only time I could go out was to do my food shopping. And you are faced with that eternal dilemma of, do I go out and go my food shopping knowing that cases are high or do I just stay inside? Um, for those of you that don't know much about the Middle East, um, not just Bahrain, the rest of the Middle East. Um, it's a hot place. So if you want sunshine, you will get it. Um, but in the summer, it goes up to 50 degrees and humidity goes up to sort of 80%. So you will have the real temperature and then the feels like temperature. And the feels like temperature can actually get as high as 60 um, in the 60s because of that humidity. And unlike the UK, where I was watching my friends, like I feel that this summer was quite a nice summer for people in the UK. In Bahrain, it was just getting hotter and hotter. So you actually couldn't go outside because it was too hot to go outside. Um, and I think I'll be honest, you know, my, my mental health really started to deteriorate considerably. Um, I would carry on with work. I love my job. I enjoy my job. But from a, a mental health and a well-being point of view, you know, that was getting worse and worse. And I started seeing a therapist and the therapist helped me sort of talk about like negative thoughts. Um, but for me, I just felt so trapped. I felt that the, as an extrovert, my source of energy was just being missed. Um, and as COVID has um, evolved, I've worked in different locations, different countries. Um, I'm really able to kind of take away some of those key things. And for me, one of the key things is to have a proper desk. Um, in Bahrain, I was working on the kitchen table and I live in an open plan apartment. So I literally had no break um, from work. Um, 
looking at kind of what other countries do and I now start to introduce what's called a fake commute um, so as soon as I finish work I have to go outside for a walk or I have to go out for a run and that would signify that is my commute going home. So I've introduced sort of a fake commute. Um, but for me, I think the turning point and the most <laughs> challenging part of 2020, um, in June, I woke up one morning and um, I found out I had appendicitis. And I thought it was just a stomach ache. And I went to, and I had to make the decision, do I go to the hospital with cases increasing or do I just hope it will go away? I went to the hospital and they told me that evening I had to have an operation. And I also couldn't have people come visit me in the hospital because they would be putting themselves at risk. And so that was pretty tough. Um, the road insane. to recovery. That's insane. The... It's been a hell of a year for you. It's been a <laughs> hell of a year. What I found interesting is um, you are a people person. You're a very social mm. person. You're a dynamic person. And even in the midst of chaos, you were trying to find ways to create some sort of a routine. You had your commute home. You'd get up yeah. in the morning and you do some form of um, exercise or endurance to just, you know, have a routine and structure around this world of chaos. But um, it's interesting because your career and your life to date has been very, very adventurous. I almost hear like <laughs> a Lara Croft meets the Sarah Jane Adventures kind of thing because you're no two days are the same for you you've been to multiple countries live out of a suitcase at times yeah. your longest period in the UK was probably during lockdown and during your return to the UK for that brief period mm -hmm. but what I want to know is and what I want to ask is was this always something you had within you was this a fire you always had you studied geography at Birmingham University. So my two <laughs> questions are, yeah. why geography? And also, did you always have this passion to do all this while you're at university? Because I know that with university, yeah. all the days are usually the same. Because you know, you're going to lectures, mm. you're coming home, you're studying, you're going out with friends. You're not traveling as much as you do in your career. So where did all this come yeah. from? <laughs> where did this come from? Um, so you make a really valid point. And there's so many points I want to come on this. So I, I didn't want to go to university. Um, I'm dyslexic and I was studying for A-levels and I was, I guess, I don't want to say a high achiever. I worked hard. Um, I, my parents are incredible people and they really, um, they really made sacrifices so that I could have a good education and um, really understand the values of it. Um, I took four A-levels. Um, actually, it was quite a clever idea because I was like, most universities need you to do three A-levels. If I have to start off doing four ASs, if I do four A-levels and one of the subjects doesn't go well, I've still got, I can pick my best three A-level grades. <laughs> um, I actually got two A's of B and a C. So, That's amazing. Um, and I'm of the old school before there were A-stars. Um, so I did it. I, I missed four marks. Um, I got five, nine, six out of 600 for one of my, one of my subjects. Wow. So I, even though I was dyslexic, I worked hard, but I wanted, so I, I want to do a lot of things. My dad has his own business and I always wanted to work. Um, I started cleaning cars from the age of 10. I started babysitting from the age of 14. I genuinely, I love working. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I love being busy. I didn't want to go to university. So I was going to university in 2006 and I was the first year of when it went up to £3,000 a year. And my parents were amazing. They said, we'll support you for university. I said, but it's not that. It's the fact that I'm putting off going into work. And I wanted to do an apprenticeship. Um, and there really weren't any apprenticeship opportunities open. Um, I'm dyslexic. I I know my strengths and my weaknesses so I can do I can do an exam and I can do quite well in it because I remember the facts and figures it's it's not a difficult thing you just play to your strengths um, and I didn't want to go to university my sick form college they said no you're doing four A levels who doesn't go to university I said well I don't want to go to university they said no we your UCAS deadline is this day we're looking forward to hearing it so I was torn between going into nursing and going into geography um and I wanted to be a um either a nurse technician 
Um, so working in A&E, um, I wanted the trauma, I wanted the excitement, I wanted the adventure. Um, but then I started to look into it and it was a bit harder. I did work experience in sort of nursing and it's still something that I feel if I had a second life or a twin, I would love to do that just on the side. Um, and the apprenticeships weren't an option. There just weren't any companies that were offering apprenticeships. So I decided to um, do geography because it was a very varied subject. It was something that I was passionate about. And I think that's what I would say to people, you know, always pick something you're passionate about. But if I could have done university within a year, I would have done. Um, I was so miserable at university um, and so many times I wanted to give up. And my dad was like, yeah, just come home, just work in the business. And my mom, I bless her and I'm so pleased I took my mom's advice and not my dad. She was like, stick at it, Charlotte, because you never know when you'll need that degree. And ironically, um, I think when I was at university, I'm always someone to try and appreciate what I have. But I was just like, I just want 2009 to come. I just want to graduate. Um, I found out about Teach First in 2008, so my penultimate year. And it was actually a recession at the time. So I know most of class 2020 um, go back 12 years. <laughs> that was a, you know, a long time ago. But we went for a really bad recession then and companies weren't hiring, which is why I applied in my second year because I, I knew that geography was quite a niche subject um, and I really wanted to find something that would give me skills and something that I love but I worked um, so my university journey was very different um, I was a nanny um, so I was working probably 20 hours a week while I was at university I had a family um, the mom had a baby so I was like I was living this best life because it was like my escapism and I had this family I was cooking food I was doing homework for the children um, and I but I would always work during the summer as well um, I every break I had I was always working I was always finding something to do I was volunteering in clubs and societies as well um, but the traveling part, I would go on holiday um, and my brother loves to travel and he will want to explore these places. I didn't. I just wanted to sit on a beach. I wanted to go to a nice holiday destination for a week. Um, and even now I think of I think I've been to 48 countries and I'm incredibly lucky to have worked in Dubai, in Saudi Arabia and Bahrain to have lived in three very different countries. I genuinely, I love stability. <laughs> I don't like living out of suitcase. If someone said to me, we'll pay you to travel for a year, I would say, no, I just want to stay in a country and I want to establish my friends and a network and a community. But I feel living in London, the traveling part came. I always wanted to work abroad. Um, I'm so impressed with people that can speak another language and I always wanted to live in a country where they speak another language. Um, but I knew that I couldn't just, jump at it I had to persevere and I had to work so I spent seven years in London working until it was the opportunity um, to have that transfer abroad so I waited doing? a long time in those seven years what yeah. were you doing <laughs> what was I doing so uh, three years I was teaching so I was doing teach first and I think I will never forget um, my classroom. Um, my first year I had a shared classroom and then my second and my third year, my third year I became a head of department. They said, you have your own classroom, which for me was like the best thing ever because you could decide what you wanted the walls, the classrooms to be displayed. And I am naturally so curious as to people's, what makes people people. Um, both my parents are British. Um, at home, we only spoke English um, and I am now obviously fluent in French I speak Arabic um, and a bit of Spanish but you know Arabic is very conversational I would have working conversations in Arabic French is um, hopefully fluent I hope I'll get tested but when I was in London I always felt like I don't have this ability to to speak another language to someone and in my classroom and London is such a diverse place and you know I came from Portsmouth where everybody's born <laughs> everyone is born in Portsmouth and they stay in Portsmouth and I just feel with diversity and multicultural you get so you learn so much and this goes back to I was teaching the children but the pupils were also teaching me and I had so many um 
so like such diverse pupils and they taught me so much about culture um and i had um i got my year seven pupils to do their passport like they they did a little passport template and it was what is their nationality and i would have pupils that i mean we can use you as a, as a classic example that the half greek half nigerian but they were born in another country and this just this gave me so much enthusiasm i'm like wow i just want to come home and i want to have dinner with your family and i want to explore this culture and so although i don't necessarily like traveling i love learning about other cultures i find i find it excites me so much and i think that's where i come from i love learning languages because in each culture each language they will have certain words to show obviously the importance. So in Arabic, for example, um, there is a word, well, lion has 12 different meanings. And there is also, um, there's certain words that you can't translate into English, um, you know, and I, and I think that's fascinating when you start to learn about other cultures. Um, but for seven years, yeah, so seven years in London, I knew it was always my dream, but I, I was never quite ready. I felt that I had to get to that mature stage where I had something to, I had learned enough about London. I'd learned enough about myself that when I moved to another country, I was able to reflect on my London journey and reflect on what that country's like. Um, so I spent three years teaching. Um, I then went to work for Teach First um, as the Cambridge recruiter. Um, and I then joined PwC for, so I was at Teach First for sort of two years and then I was at PwC um, for two years. Hopefully my maths is correct. Yeah, it's just done in my head. That does add up to seven years. Um, but it was only when I was at PwC could I see that there was an opportunity for me to um, work abroad. Um, but those seven years in London, I... I was desperate to live abroad, but I knew that it wasn't at the right time. Um, and PwC London was amazing. They gave me so many opportunities. I was in consulting. Um, I was working with the Metropolitan Police on a graduate scheme called Police Now that I was just so passionate about. And I remember getting to a, um, like kind of a, a, a fork um, in the, in the road. Um, that's not the right expression. I can't remember what it is. I had a, I had a T junction in the road and I had to decide, did I want to stay in consulting and working with the client on the police now project, which I was so passionate about, but I knew that I wasn't going to get the opportunity to work abroad or did I return back to my recruitment team, take up a manager position, knowing that in two, within two years, I could get that secondment overseas, which was what I wanted. And I remember it being a really tough decision because it, I, I was torn between two things that I love, but I was so determined I wanted to work abroad that I obviously went back to my old team. Um, I got promoted, but I do remember for me, the perseverance of just thinking like, when is this international opportunity going to come? When am I going to get it? And I think that's something that I would definitely say to anybody listening from the age of 20, I wanted to, um, I wanted to live abroad. I even considered at university, do I do an Erasmus program? Um, but I also knew that I had to work hard enough in myself so that when I did have that opportunity, I had something that I could bring to the table as well as something I could take from the table. Mm -hmm. You didn't rush the process. I think that's another yeah. key takeaway, which no, I think so our pleased. listeners will love is that you yeah. didn't rush the process. You went through those seven years yeah. What did you learn about yourself? Because you said that you learned from your pupils. You said that yeah. you moved on to be a recruiter for Cambridge. You went on to PwC. Yeah. They taught mm -hmm. you experiences. But about your own personality, your own character, what did you learn about yourself in those seven years? Gosh, do you know what? It's, it's really interesting. Because I think of, if I think of my seven years in London and I think of my five years in the Middle East, I definitely learned a lot more in my five years in the Middle East. I, but if I think of what I learned in London, um... London is very safe. You know, you're, you're never living in the Middle East for five years. Your, your visa is attached to your job. So if you lose your job, you are out of the country. And I think I didn't realize how safe I was um, in the UK living in London. Um, I feel those seven years, though, I did. I always wanted to work abroad. And um, I, but I was in this dilemma that I, when I did teach first, I, I love teaching, but I didn't want to stay in teaching. And if I wanted to work abroad, which was my goal, I would have had to teach abroad. 
and I didn't know if I wanted to teach abroad and I think the beauty of Teach First is it it gives you so many skills um, and I then went on to recruit for Teach First but I had no recruiting experience and I wouldn't be where I was if it was now and if I look at each career opportunity that I've taken um I've learned about it. Um, I'm now probably, I, I now sort of, I'm now do training, I'm in learning development and I love that. And I didn't think I would ever leave recruitment because I love that. So I feel what it taught me those seven years in London is that be patient with your career to start off with, um, you know, because those fundamental skills that you are building um, get you to sort of get you to kind of get the base blocks and then once you've got the base blocks you can then learn from them you know i didn't want to rush my career um i sort of did more gradual steps where things sort of led into each other you know i did the teaching um i was also the duke of Edinburgh coordinator i'm passionate about people doing fitness um and the outside and so i brought that into the education but then when i was a recruiter for teach first i could take on a lot of skills but i remember after doing two years at teach first i was ready for a challenge i was ready for something different um and i didn't know what i wanted to do um i applied for so many jobs and i was i was actually about to be an estate agent believe it or not and i, I was going through the recruitment process and pwc came along by chance and i honestly am so thankful for um it was lovely laura cobb and lucy ruffwell um who i met when i was at cambridge university and we would do collaboration events and i said oh, I, I can't do an event next term because i'm I'm not going to be working for Teach Best. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I just lined up a job, but it, my heart wasn't in there. It just so happened that PwC had just had an opportunity that day. Um, and I said, well, can you meet us for an interview tomorrow? And in a whirlwind, I got an offer from PwC, but it was a, um, a six-month temporary position. Mm -hmm. And that filled me with fear because Teach First was a two-year structured graduate program. You were in a school. You know, I was in the most amazing school with the most amazing colleagues. And I remember leaving that to join Teach First. And then I was in this unlimited contract. And I was, in my mind, I'm like, am I giving this all up for a temporary position, a six-month temporary contract where I was paid weekly? I was like, is this the right step in my move? And I'm so pleased it was. Um, but I feel if I think of those seven years in London, every single career move, um, I really reflected on it. Um, and I really, it really forced me to think about what, do, what have I enjoyed in this role and what do I not enjoy? Um, I definitely think, without wanting to categorize into years, the, the start of your career is really about reflecting and thinking about what what do I enjoy in this role and it's it's the best thing to do is just experiment because working for different companies you will then start to find yourself and I feel even though I, I would say definitely my last five years in the Middle East are the ones that have changed me the most I had to have those seven years in London at those building blocks to create the solid foundation at the bottom. And there were things that I didn't enjoy doing, but I knew that I just had to build up that career um, and build up that reputation. Um, I've never been afraid of, um, you know, doing anything, just, just trying um, because the only way you'll know if it's something that you like is by trying it. Um, you know, and I can't, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, I think those seven years in London just taught me so much about myself. Um, but I was growing. I made mistakes, um, but I was in that safe environment. And I think when you've worked so hard for something, when the dream then comes along for you to work abroad, you know how hard you've worked for it. Now, I want us to move on to the dream. Yeah. So you had seven years in London. You learned a lot about yourself. You gained a lot of experiences and you did mention some key words that you were in a, a safe environment, a comfortable mm -hmm. environment, a familiar environment. You mm -hmm. mentioned that you don't need a visa if you're yeah. British in London, mm -hmm. a visa isn't associated with your job. And now you're moving to a new environment where you're getting a visa, you're meeting new yeah. people, you're learning a new language. So how did that process come about? Talk us through the day where you went to apply for a job in the Middle East or someone approached you. Tell us yeah. the transitional process. 
And this is what a journey, because I would say everything happens for a reason. The reason how I got into PwC was by having that conversation with someone and saying, I'm not going to be there next week. Taking that leap of faith of, okay, it's fine to resign from my job because, you know, I'm genuinely, I'm not happy. And if I'm not happy, it's impacting my mental health. Um, so I... <laughs> I was at PwC and I, this was in December, 2014. Um, I'd come out of quite a heartbreak of a relationship that I tried to make it work again and it still didn't work. And I, I went to probably be listening to this, but do me a favor. Um, and I went to America and I was like, right, this, this winter is about me. My best friend lived in America. So I went snowboarding in California and then I went over to Boston to meet them. Now I have to confirm I met Megan and Ufuk, my friends that lived in America. I met them at the gym in London. Um, obviously, I'm going to talk to everybody. Um, and Megan and I struck up a conversation. And then we became friends ever since. And I think that's why I would say to anybody, take any opportunity to talk to someone. Make someone stay. You, you will learn so much from somebody thinking about what, I, what the pupils taught me as opposed to me always teaching the pupils. Um, and they had had a transfer with PwC um, to be in London. And I always wanted to be that person. I was like, I just, I want to live abroad. And I was like, I'm probably going to get myself into another bad relationship in London. And then I'm going to be stuck in London. And I was like, this is your chance. You're 26 turning 27. Do it now. Um, so I'd reached when I was in America, um, I reached out to some of the recruitment team, um, in the Boston office. Boston was where I wanted to be. Um, and it was, and it was great. I met them, but they didn't have any opportunities. I was like, that's fine. We'll stay in contact. I am in no hurry to leave. Like it will move at its own process. I came back to the UK and I was set on, yep, 2015 is your year. You've got to move abroad because if you don't, your dream is not going to happen. So I was carrying work, waiting for America to update, but I knew it was going to be nine months minimum. Um, the team in the PwC team in Dubai, um, they were doing a recruitment fair, um, and they needed some volunteers. And it was on a it was on a Saturday, and I was trying to get my team to do it. So I said, "This is amazing opportunity. This is amazing exposure. You could get a secondment opportunity." I was like, "Take up this chance." And nobody wanted to work on a Saturday. I'm like, guys, like, this is amazing. The people you will meet. Um, and I couldn't really do it because I was speaking at Cambridge University that evening. Um, I was having to be a speaker for an event, kind of from what I was speaking about, probably careers or something. Um, because nobody else was going to do it, I wasn't going to let it fail. So I said to the team, I will do it in the morning. I will do it so well at the careers fair. And then I have to leave to go to Cambridge because I'm presenting in the evening. And that moment um the the director the team flew over from dubai and they met me and i think the fact that i raised up my hand and i said i was prepared to try something to work on a saturday um they were just like we want you like they saw me talking to me but i knew nothing about dubai the middle east i and there i was at a career fair with you know, Emirati nationals. And I was like, I don't know anything about PwC, like Middle East. I don't even know why they need a British representative, but I, I will, I, I'll see, I'll learn something. Um, the Monday morning, I came into my office. Um, my HR director had already been informed that PwC wanted me to move to Dubai. And it happened like that. Um, I remember, so this is, in, this is beginning of March. I remember end of March, I was on a plane out to Dubai for interviews, um, everything happened. And then um, July, July 2015, I, I moved up, Yeah, me and my 29 boxes, unfortunately, how times have changed now with not having as much stuff, but me and my 29 boxes moved out. Um, and before, at the start of the I thought it was going to be in America, and then complete opposite, couldn't, couldn't be more extreme of countries if you tried. What was the settling in period like when you arrived? Gosh. Okay, so this is where I will be really vulnerable. I really struggled. Um, I cried every night. I, I moved to Dubai by myself. Um, I thought I knew who I was. Um, I was one of the top performers at PwC. Um, Teach First teaches you that things will go wrong when you're teaching, but you build up that resilience. I think what had happened in my career, I, everything I did worked. And then, you know, and I was very safe 
and I was very set in my ways and I, I, I knew what I was good at and being dyslexic, you, you imply these tricks and you're like, okay, I know I can't do this, but I know that I'm fine to deliver a presentation. So I will put my energy on the things that I know I'm going to succeed in. I got to Dubai. It was the middle of August, so it's like the hottest time, but the weather didn't bother me. I was so excited about the opportunity. I was throwing myself in, but I was completely blind. I was too desperate to get out to the Middle East that I ignored some warning signs and I ignored some blind spots. So before I was going out to the Middle East, um, I was a manager in the UK and I was under the impression I was going out as a manager. And through the talks, through the discussions, um, my, my grade had been downgraded to an assistant manager. And for me, I was like, it's fine. It doesn't matter. But a little bit inside, it did matter. And I think this is what I would definitely say to people, like, your gut instinct is so right. Because when I got out there, I was chasing after this manager position. And when I got out there, I was told, nope, we never said you were going to be made manager. And that was a hard pill to swallow that I had given up so much in the UK and I believed somebody and I, I'm a very trustworthy person and I, and I won't change who I am. And I, and I think that's something I'd say to listeners, never change who you are, be proud of who you are. But I, I, I was like, but I believed you. And I said, well, we didn't say that. And I was like, you did. I have it in writing, but what could you do? I'm already like 5,000 kilometers away. I'm already in Dubai. I'm trying to set up my life. So for me, I, um, I just carried on, but I was so unhappy. Um, and I'm writing a bit about it at the moment to really get my, my thoughts, my feelings and the emotions out about it because yes, I was living abroad. I, I love the kind of the updates I had. I love the fact that I lived in another country. I was learning Arabic but I was just so unhappy and I was doing a job that wasn't making me happy. And I kept feeling like I had to fight it. Um, and like I say, in London, there's a safety in Dubai. I couldn't just quit because if I quit, I had 30 days to find a job. And in the Middle East, the oil price wasn't doing so well. So there weren't as many opportunities. And I was honestly faced with this eternal dilemma. Do I stay doing a job that's making me really unhappy or do I carry on? Do I do I give up? And so many times I wanted to give up. And I, I don't know where the fire came from, but I just pushed through. And it was by chance um, that EY had an opportunity that I applied for. And I, I took it. And I've been in EY four years since. And I couldn't be happier. You know, I couldn't be happy with my role. But I remembered like those times in Dubai was a very dark day. Um, and I was being someone that I wasn't, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big drinker. I'm not a big partier, but I was changing who I was to fit in with people. I was offering to look after people's cats and then there will only be two days. And then I actually had to look after the cat for five days. And I felt like I had completely lost who Charlotte was, but I didn't want to give up this dream. Um, but it was a tough thing to do. And, if I was in that situation again, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would go through it again. I'm grateful for those memories, but it was tough, you know. And and for me, being dyslexic, um, one of the things that I, you know, it's very open. I'm like, oh, I'm dyslexic, and it wasn't treated the same way that it was treated in the UK. In in the UK, there's all this support, there's all this understanding, but when I started, it was like well, what's wrong with you? I have to say EY has been amazing at it. And the first thing I said that I said, this is my experience. They're like, how can we support you? And that was just like, I'm back in the UK. People get what dyslexia is. They understand like what challenges I have. But that first year was really tough. Like, it sounds really, like a very, really very dark period. Mm. And you said that, you know, you found the fire and you somehow found the fight to get through it. Did you ever have a breaking point? Was there ever a moment where you may have called home and the sound <laughs> of loved ones back home made you think, I don't know if I can do this? Or did you just yeah. envision your future self and everything you wanted to achieve to keep yourself going? No, really interesting point. So many times I, I, I called up home and I was like, just, I wanted to come home. I, I lost weight. 
um, I just, I lost my whole spark, my whole energy. Um, and like, you really depend on a certain things. And for me, um, I had one really good friend and we would go to church every week and he was from the UK, Will, and I would just pour all my problems into him. I would pour all my problems into mom. Christmas was hard. That was the first Christmas I was away from everybody. But I was like, no, this is exciting. You know, this is what you've always, this is what you've always wanted. And now you've got it, you're unhappy. So just stick at it, persevere. And I think that's what the resilience that I got from Teach First was that resilience. Just keep going. It will be fine. But at the same time, I think by the time it got to March, I was so unhappy. And I remember my mom came out in March and I'd taken time off work and I was still getting emails from work and I got a call from my manager and and I was just like, this is my time off. This is my time with my mom. And I just remember being like, when I said goodbye to my mom at the airport, I desperately wanted to go back with her. I really want to go back. And I said, just give yourself a year you're you're tied into your apartment for a year if I leave now I'll lose all the money I've paid just stick it out for as long as you can and I was applying for jobs and I wasn't getting anything and it was for me my faith is very important and I was like but why is this happening like why 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 and it got to the August where I got so sick actually um I ended up in hospital um because I'd picked up an infection and my body was so weak that it couldn't fight it and I think listening to your body is so important um and EY actually offered me I had my final interview two days before I ended up going into hospital and EY offered offered me when I was in hospital and the moment they said we're going to offer you this role I got discharged the next day because I just got better and it just goes to show you that if you were in a very toxic environment, I don't think we quite realize how much it can do that the damage it can do to our body, you know, and listening to those warning signs is so, so key more than anything. And five years on, you're yeah. still in the Middle East, although things are slightly <laughs> different in this COVID oh, period. I know. But how have you navigated all your um, all the challenges that have come your way? Um, yeah. You mentioned earlier your dyslexia and you're very open yeah. about your dyslexia mm -hmm. very honest and I think that's a very very encouraging and fruitful thing that you discuss um the hardship and the, the difficulties mm -hmm. you carry with you throughout your life's journey um how have you navigated that now as opposed to 12 years ago when you first started out in your career yeah do you know what if I think of when I first started teaching okay I would tell the pupils I was dyslexic but it wasn't to get sympathy, it was actually to be as a role model for them. As I've got on, I've learned to have, but I was very worried of telling the pupils I am dyslexic because I was worried that they would judge me. And part of the reason I would say I am dyslexic was because I knew there would be spelling mistakes when I was writing on the board. And I wasn't a qualified teacher. You know, Teach First gives you six weeks training. So I was like, if they expose that I can't write, then why are they going to believe that I'm a good teacher? So I need to try and be a bit vulnerable to start off with. But if I think of my journey now, I do so much reflection and I really think about, you know, what is it that's giving you the energy? What is it that you're, you're doing that's, you know, that's really making you who you are? I feel as I've got older, I've become a lot more confident in myself and now if I say I'm dyslexic it's not because I know that I'm going to spell something wrong and I don't want someone to give me a tough time of like oh you can't do, you obviously can't do your job I have the complete opposite it's if there are people in my team that I can say you know well I would struggle doing with this task what do you feel are the the coping mechanisms that we can use I feel I just I really feel that you know it's people just need to talk about it and um, same with mental health um well-being there needs to be such an open conversation that it's never seen as a stigma it's never seen as a bad thing um and i feel like if i look at my career 12 years on yes i'll still tell people i'm dyslexic but i don't ever feel that i'm i don't want to say i'm using it as an excuse but i'm just like this is who I am. This is, this is the Charlotte that you'll get. She'll be incredibly enthusiastic about a lot of stuff. But if you want me to write something or you want me to spell something, I'm probably not the best person for it. But let's think about 
what value can I add to it? Who can I depend on who's going to make sure that the writing part is the best part? Or, you know, it's about having that confidence of knowing where do I now fit? You know, 12 years ago as a geography teacher, I didn't know myself. 12 years later, I still don't fully know myself, but I have a much clearer picture of who I am. Mm -hmm. And if you look back on these 12 years, with everything that you've learned, what are some bits of advice you would give to people who are about to start yeah. their, their career journeys? You know, many yeah. 2020 graduates have just graduated and they're currently in the position you were when you first left Birmingham yeah. University. What would you tell them? What bits of advice would you tell oh, them? Oh gosh, so many. Um, well, where do I start? Um, be open-minded. Um, my, my career has not always been straightforward and, and maybe we found out about some of my dark days in my, in Dubai, but I can't tell you how dark they were, but I didn't give up. And I feel like if I look at my first seven years in London, I tried all sorts of things. Um, I would definitely say, so I've come off social media. Um, for those of you that are on social media, be really mindful of it because I was finding that, the competition was too tough and the competition I was putting myself under. So it's not under competition for anything else. It was how I was dealing with that messaging. And I think be kind on yourself. You know, there aren't as many career opportunities at the moment, but this is your perfect time for you to start to try something new. Um, I saw something really inspiring on LinkedIn um, last week back and it was a post from somebody who said um before university i was i was pushing trolleys on a monday night i've now so i could get into university i've now graduated from university and i'm pushing trolleys on a friday night never give up and i was like i can't take his credit for it but it is so true you know when i was teaching i was really struggling um like to work to try and develop myself um but i think never give up but also reflect, take that time to be kind to yourself and think about what do I enjoy? Um, and I feel the first couple of years, you've just got to kind of explore and you've, you've just got to think, okay, um, what subjects is it that I like? A bit like when you start at secondary school, where you have like so many different subjects, but then by the time you get to year nine, that's when you make your GCSE choices. And you're like, okay, I'm not good at music, so I'm not going to do music GCSE. And I would say that's probably very similar to my my career you know I knew that when I was teaching there were a lot of mistakes there'll be things that I probably wasn't going to be perfect at but I had to go through that journey myself so that I could realize what do I like what do I not like um, and I still do this reflection but I definitely would say to any of the listeners take any opportunity that comes your way because you have no idea where that will take you and I think that's the second bit that I would definitely say is network the power of the people you know is so important and it's not just because what you will give to them it's what they will give to you um, and I'm listening to a really interesting book at the moment when I go running and he talks about um, the power of positivity, but he talks about being friends with people who aren't in the same sector as you. So I work in HR. So I need to have friends with people who don't work in HR, who might be an engineer, um, who are from a different religion, from a different culture, speak a different language, different age range. And it's so true. Um, and he obviously talks, he's American and he talks about, you know, if you're a Democrat, have friends that are Republicans because they will all teach you. And I think it's so true, you know, network with people, but don't network with people that are the same as you. Be with people who are very different to you. Because if I think about what I learned the most in the Middle East, I've learned from the people I've been around. And that is how I would compare my two journeys from London. I was just doing my job. I was, you know, I guess my friends were very similar to me. I did a lot of networking, but in the Middle East, I've really come into contact and I feel so fortunate to have come into contact with so many different people that just causes you to stop and think, am I always doing this the right way? Is there something that I could do slightly differently? Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Charlotte. You are more than welcome. I'm just listening to all your advice and your takeaways, and I'm trying to internalize it myself because everything you said is true. I think one of the biggest things was that, you know, you were patient with yourself. You were yeah. resilient with yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And you were very aware and reflexive of your surroundings. You understood what yeah. was being given to you, what was being taken from you. And it's just very um, inspiring to hear everything oh, you've done today. You. Um, before we go, uh, please let us know your LinkedIn so people can. Yes, of course. So it's, um, <laughs> this is checking me all down. It's Charlotte Edwards, Charlotte Maria <laughs> Edwards. Maybe if you put Charlotte, Ed- I, she's also a cricket player and that's not me. Um, but it will come up, I can always share the details with me, but it should be Charlotte Edwards um, and then assistant director um, for EY um, doing trans development. But I just, um, I can't thank you enough um, for having me on there. I feel someone who graduated during the 2000, 2009 recession, although I might be older than you I've gone through these journeys and there have been some dark days but actually the darkest days give you the most energy and let the most light in and give you that encouragement to just carry on and learn and you know we're going to be working till we're 70 or older mm-hmm. so it's that's fine a lot to of years <laughs> i know that's a lot but it's fine to make mistakes it's fine for you it's fine if something doesn't work out because you've tried it and better to have tried something than to have never tried it absolutely um i think the world is our oyster and i always say yeah. um never rush a process which yep. spans a lifetime and that kind of echoes what you've just mm-hmm. said because if your career is your life your life isn't yeah. from the age of 12 to the age of 23 when you graduate it's much much longer exactly. so just enjoy it but um we will link charlotte's linkedin below <laughs> so she you doesn't can know all find it <laughs> charlotte edwards uh, but there is probably a couple of us but you'll 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 find it no doubt if not let me know <laughs> <laughs> and be sure to check out the class of 2020 we will link that below it's a free e-learning platform and it is for you guys like in this conversation, to try new experiences, to try new skills, to read up on new stuff. It's all free. It's all for you. We've been working with amazing companies across the UK to give you guys resources that will help you and help your learning and maybe you, maybe help you realize what your next path may be. Check out all the Class of 2020 social media channels. We have a Medium blog page where we update stuff on mental health, on recruitment, which you can also check out. Check out the podcast, guys, on Spotify. Leave us a five-star review on Apple. There are amazing episodes with ones, such as the one with Charlotte Edwards today. <laughs> you can check me, Sarah you and Seeker, on LinkedIn. That will also be below. And that's it for season one of the Class of 2020 podcast. Um, so we'll bid you farewell. Take care, guys. Stay safe. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, if you're listening to this. <laughs> and-, and all the best. <laughs> and let's hope that 2021 does bring all the best. So take care, guys. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>